Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I had to go about it Hello and welcome to part two of the Final Word Weekly Edition, season 12, episode 14, and the continuation of our long conversation with a giant of New Zealand cricket and global broadcasting, the great Jeremy Coney. All for Advanced Hair Studios, the world leaders in hair restoration. Get yourself 15% off their fine service, which over 1 million people have done over the last 30 years by simply jumping on advancedhairstudio.com forward slash final word. Uh, it's just me, Adam Collins, with you for this short intro with Jeff currently somewhere between Colombo and London, where I've just arrived home myself. Now, in part one, Jeremy spoke about his childhood and formative years, about finding his way and eventually finding cricket. In part two, we pick up the conversation with Jeremy's international career really starting to take off and then into his period as captain, which corresponded with some landmark series victories for New Zealand, both at home and away. Then from there, we stray into life after cricket and his time as one of the most astute media analysts to ever step behind a commentary microphone. Uh, Thanks for the feedback so far. For those who've listened and watched part one on YouTube, there were some lovely comments overnight. Uh, On that front, you might have noticed quite a bit more activity on our social media feeds around the Jeremy interview. Uh, We're going to have a real crack at turbocharging those in the weeks and months ahead. So you can find us, of course, on Instagram, Facebook and dare I say it, TikTok, which I believe is coming shortly, uh, I say in a somewhat daunted way. Uh, And of course, all of our episodes, uh, in this case, the video, the full video of the Jeremy Coney chat is on YouTube uh, for those of you who want to see our faces when you're listening to our voices. Uh, A reminder that if you like what we do and you want to help us out in doing more of this kind of thing, please do drop us a nerd pledge at patreon.com forward slash the final word. The next show to drop in the feed will be Storytime 97 and all of those weekend history shows, of course, are only possible because of the support we get on Patreon. And for a continuation of those lovely conversations, when you become a patron, you also get immediate access to our Discord chat page, which, as we said in the past, must be the nicest corner of the internet. And if you're already a patron and haven't been able to work out how to link that up to Discord, to simply drop Jeff or myself a DM and we'll sort you out with a link right away. All right, that's enough from me. Here's part two of the final word in conversation with Jeremy Coney. 
there's the, I guess what's known as the goodwill tour after the underarm incident. You don't play in that game, but 81-82, yeah. Australia come out. Yeah. You're facing Tomo. Lucky you had the helmets in, in place by then. Probably in a way lucky you didn't face him in 1974 on that, on that first trip because Tomo wasn't around until later in, in 74. But you draw the series one all against Australia. Again, talking about... You know, sort of belief in what might be possible. That's in, in 8182. In yeah. New Zealand? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, I, so I again, there's. I remember that, yeah. On the way to 83, I'm getting to 83 where, you know, you've got these little landmark moments along the yes. way. Howe's still captain, but it feels to me going through it, a big turning point in New Zealand cricket history is winning that Test match at Leeds in 1983. You play a big role in picking up. Four wickets, four of your twenty-seven Test wickets come in in that win. But <laughs> yeah. Lamb and both of them in the second innings. I think you, yeah. you bowled Lamb, didn't you? I did. And then both of them at the peak of his powers uh, shortly Actually, thereafter. The best thing about that was the stump came out of the ground. I can't <laughs> believe it. Had the, I got to the uh, the groundsman to sort of water it, you know, <laughs> fairly heavily the night before. And, um, no. Uh, it, oh. And then speaking of both of them, just to end that point, I mean, you hit him for an emphatic boundary to win the Test match. I mean, you climb into a pull shot. Pull him away, you guys win comfortably in the end. But that's the first time. You talk about the sort of disrespect that Australian cricket had for, for New Zealand. I'm not saying that it was the same with England, but it took you a long time to win over there. And once you've done it once, you've got a bit of a taste for it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I, that, was a, that, was a, that was an interesting test match too, you know. We, of course, the ground was so different then. Uh, we've just been up there, haven't we, to, yeah. to Leeds and how the ground is now. But we changed in an entirely different area, in the administration area, upstairs, so all the office down down below. And then you wandered, up, wandered onto the ground, then up some steps on the outside of the building and up into a kitchen. And so that was our changing room for the match. And... Um, yeah, uh, you could see where all the appliances had been. You could see, the, you know, the shape of the fridge on the, you know, because of the dust left behind. You could see the shape, uh, you know, the freezers and so on and cookers. Um, so that's that's where we changed and that's where we were for that match. The, the, the nets were just down below us, green seamy affairs they were. We didn't like to bat in too much. But I remember the freezing worker came to the party there, didn't he? Lance Cairns. Mm. And he got seven wickets. Yep. Uh, really good little bowler, Cairnsy. You know, terrific tourist. Always had his balance between, you know, how, how, how much do you sort of enjoy the tour and how much do you actually put into the, the cricket component rather than the, <laughs> oh, gee whiz, you be, we better go to another memorial. Yeah. We better go and see another zoo. We better take a few photos. You know, there's that, that whole thing about players that you need to, have you got your balance is quite an important thing, I think, when you tour and, and, and having the routines established strongly about how are we going to organise ourselves and they are really important things to do in that first week. How does, how does the management communicate with players? Uh, what things are on today? You can't leave just word of mouth. It's got to be some solid system that you have that you work out that this is what's on today. These are the things that we've got to attend and here are the mm. times. The bus is leaving at this time. These are the things we're wearing, number ones for that one there or whatever. But they've got to know those things in order to... That's part of the tour. And they get lost otherwise. 
and so and he always left a, a, a you know a copy on the manager's door he always would put a little greek letter usually sigma or whatever on it just to make sure they were actually knew what it was draw me the thing that you saw on the thing will you today thanks mate mm -hmm. and you know you soon found out who didn't read those kinds of things you right. wanted every every person to read though that that net letter to say this is because otherwise you didn't you didn't really get things done, and they always left. One, he always left one at reception. Anyway, we made sure there was one there, so you could always get access to it. No excuse. So, Kenzie was fantastic at all that. He just had that balance right the whole time. So he hadn't been doing very well, and so he was really keen to play well here. And he he nicked out a few guys, and we caught well. Uh, that we, I mean, it was always a pitch that was you know slightly capricious, and it was up and down, and. You know, they'd tried to cover the fact that it was dry and so he'd watered it a bit more and so the cracks weren't quite so evident early on in the game. But we could see it was going to suit our bowlers. It was going to be slightly slower mm. than the than the English bowlers. They had Dilly and, and both of them and a few other guys in the team. So it was going to suit our bowlers, not theirs. And so we were in the game. And, and we got runs in the first innings, I think. You know, may not want to... Do you want well, to leave this? Well, no, no, not at all. No, yeah. So Wright makes runs. I mean, you've got... Well, right, yeah, right. But right, he ran two guys out. Sure. He, he, he ran Jeff <laughs> Howarth out. And then he rewrote the running between wickets rule book. <laughs> and, and then he ran, I think... I think he ran Jeff Crow out as well. So, Didn't like and, Jeff's. And, it, and not many guys, actually... Not many guys will stand up. I mean, failure is a, is a pretty common thing in cricket. Mm -hmm. You think of the number of people at the end of the day, 22 who have played the game, how many at the end of the day can really say they've done, they've had a really cracking day? Mm. A few. Two, three, mm. yeah. about max. So the percentages aren't high. And, and, and righty, you never, so while it's prevalent failure in the game, uh, not many guys will stand up in front of the rest of their mates and say, oh, I stuffed up there. Sorry, fellas, my fault. Everyone knows. Mm. Everyone knows. Everyone knows whose mistake it is. Everyone knows whose fault it is. Everyone, but no one actually publicly comes out and mm. says it in front of the team. So I, I gave Wrighty quite a few points actually for for sort of just stepping across the line a wee bit, and and, and it was lovely the fact that he got runs. So it was lovely the fact that at the end of the the game he was able to be centrepiece again, and he stood up, and he he made up about a sort of a. 59 verse epic on uh, all little things about the game hmm. and he, it was all just sort of uh, it was made up as he went along it was all to another Saturday night and I ain't got nobody I got some money and that so that was the tune everyone and then he would do in between and that was everyone would join in the chorus of that and then he would just well, another fella... T He'd do that part, you <laughs> see, and it would all be about the guy. Well, I played a shot and it went to the boundary. And, you know, and away <laughs> you'd go. And it would occasionally it would rhyme. And it was, I mean, it was awful. But at the same time, everybody in that stage was quite happy for it to be awful, you know. And so... And the ice cream was up, uh, upended on him by anyway a few guys. But so I mean, it was, it was just one of those great days. I, I remember looking down. It was a sunny day mm. when we won, and uh, you're right. I mean, I can remember whipping old Botham over, and it was sort of. His I thought, oh, there goes history, because that was our first, mm. you know, over mid wicket. History over mid wicket has a nice ring about it, mm -hmm. and. Um, I remember looking down on all the... Because all the New Zealanders had come from everywhere in England. We were going to win. 
they're all there, all sort of 729 of them, you know. And, <laughs> and I saw two kids that I actually taught uh, at one stage. And they, they waved, Mr. Coney, you know, hey, good day. How are you going? Come up, come up, come up. So they all came, 729 of them came up into our changing room. <laughs> into the kitchen. <laughs> into the kitchen. And, you know, and we, we were all singing Pukari Kari Ana and all that. I mean, oh, it was, it's nice good. when you get those, those uh, times together. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was a big moment. Feels like a big moment for you personally as well. I mean, I mentioned the wickets, mentioned the runs, but oh. you finally in your next series when you're back home in '83, um, '84, get through and make your first Test century and make it a big one as well, one seven four. And I mean, the fact that you'd been that was a saving job, wasn't it? Yep, save a Test match against England to yeah. start the series there, bat for nearly 500 minutes to do so. But the fact that it had been—I know you'd been out of the team for a chunk of this—but nine years since you Test taboo, yeah. you finally reached three figures again. Speaking of turning points, I mean, you you recognised as one of the Wisden Five Cricketers of the Year that year for what you achieved in England, and your own career is now coming to the fore. Yeah. Um, well. Those, of course, other people deciding those things. Um, I, I just, I just, uh, I, I was playing a little better, perhaps, and and I mean, it was a pretty flat track. I mean, I have to keep saying, I'm, you know, that's the Coney way. Uh, but uh, well, talk yourself but, down. Yeah. Hmm. And it is frustrating. Because it, it's, it's a kind <laughs> of a, it's a kind of a New Zealand thing, actually. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Um, and we. We, we kind of like that's that equality, that's that one class. Can't stand kind of showboaters. Well, not not so much, yeah. not so much. But yeah, of course, it was a, a a pleasing thing, and it was a pleasing thing that that Dad was. I remember my daughter saying, "Oh, you should have seen Fuppy. Uh, he 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 had been watching and that sort of thing, and you watching. None of us had moved in the in the in the house. You know, it was a little house that I'd, I'd built for the family and that. And he had he'd come up down, you know, come up to from Blenheim." up to watch and he didn't move and that she said and then he stood up he said and there was big sweat lines <laughs> right around here when I finally got there you know oh. so so um yeah that was, nice. that was nice um so yeah well we hung on that test I just I just always thought um part of becoming a good team I think is you need to know how not to lose yeah it's it's uh, it's it's a very important part that you you don't get out in twenty odd overs yeah. if you know what I mean yeah. is that you do put up a good showing and that you do keep developing as a as a group of players mm. and people because that's in the end I mean it's that's what it is it's just it, it's just a group doing the best they can together and they should take pleasure from that the best times you know I s would be sitting around in a little room as we're in here now except they're all full of cricketers we've all finished the day's play mm. there are a few beers coming in there's a few little pies and so on they've arrived and uh, and we're sitting and we're arguing about how are we going to play that Jeffrey van der Say tomorrow who's bowling mm. leg spinners and he's turning it out. Well, I, and down go the towels on the floor they're the three <laughs> there, there's the middle stump there's the off stump there's the leg stump well I'm going to put my leg here and I'm and try to, no, what do you do that for, idiot? You get a top edge, you know. And then other guys say, "Well, I'm just going to pad him away. If he's going to come around the wicket like that at me and hit bounce out there, I'm just going to pad him away like that. Put my hands up here, uh -huh. and I'm going to play French cricket." And you, you, what you find is then you start discovering the game. 
Mm. You start discovering the sorts of issues you are going to have to confront when you're out there and you have to make a decision at some point about what am I going to do. And and that's how we had to discover that self. These guys do it all the time now and they're given information and they're assisted. And they're so, We didn't have any of that. You know, we had to find those things out as we went along. In and your dressing room, you became, with your colleagues. And with your colleagues, in your undies, eating pies. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, 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 and they're nearly closing the ground. And we'd be in there till late. That's, I mean, that's really, those are the times yep. that I remember right. uh, as being meaningful. It's not, it's not, you know, raising the bat and that sort of, to be really honest, right. it's those points where you actually change as a cricketer and as a person. And not so much as a cricketer, right? it's just that you find out ways for finding solutions mm-hmm. to things, to problems. One on the field that I bet you do remember, um, Adam and I talked on the show a couple of months ago about you and Chatfield. And how yep. He was hit in the head against England, nearly died oh. on the field. And then coming back, terrible. it was 80, 85, 86, I think, when you're playing Pakistan and, yep. and he comes out to join you with about 50 to get and yeah. he's got to come out and face Wazim Akram bowling heat and knocks off those last 50 runs, you make another 100. 111 off 84 balls, Was if it? you don't mind. I don't well, know. No, mate, the last 84 balls they'd placed together, so they, oh, they, they needed to knock off these runs. And the, 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 the story, I think, really is that Chatfield managed to last for that long with Jeremy mm. for the last week. Well, I mean, he actually faced more balls than I did. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it looks harrowing. In terms of the scorecard, it, look, it looks as though, like, you've come together and you've trusted him, yeah. one, and I mean, you were there when he got hit. Of course, did you carry the stretcher off when he got hit? No, no, it wasn't you. So, but you were. I was there. You were there, and you'd, yeah. you'd seen him in like, the pass could away. Hear, I could hear the. Oh, you could hear him choking. Yeah, yeah, and then the to field. have him up against and to have all the all the English players kneeling around sure. him, and yeah, then awful. and then a lever, lever, Peter Lever, yeah. halfway up the pitch on his knees, yeah. just an awful. And, and it was reverberating. We could, as I say, hear it because no one was there at the ground. It was the fifth morning, and um, they'd batted for about half an hour. And he he just he just came off his and swallowed his tongue. That's that's what had happened. And he was choking and sort of slightly, you know, and and they, they you know, people came running out, didn't know what to do. And finally, that little that little guy, the uh, the physiotherapist, is it Thomas? came running out from England and then with his shorts on and grabbed his tongue and checked he didn't have any uh, chewing gum in his mouth and that sort of thing and and Chats lived, which was great. But it was about 30 seconds, it would have been, and it's the longest 30 seconds I've ever listened to of that, you know. Do something! Yeah. So then you're out there with him in this test match that Jeff referred to before. I mm. mean, it, it beggars belief that he would be able to walk out and do that against that kind of bowling attack. Well, I know it's and the, fi- the West Indies he faced too. Sure, absolutely. Confronting demons and all the rest of it. But yeah. that, talk us through the type of conversations that the pair of you would have been having if you can put yourself back in that moment. Back in uh, Dunedin, isn't it, in 19, yep. 1985. How are you stewarding him knowing it's not just the cricket with him, it's the, it's the bigger picture for him at that point? Yeah, well, with difficulty... I'm sure. Is the answer. Um, I've, I've lived on a few um, public speeches on this one, I've got to say, you know. Right. Um, but because Chats is such an organised person uh, and, and he would be ready, that's the first thing. I mean, Cairns had just been hit. That was the other issue. Right, yeah. Cairns hadn't worn his helmet out. I don't know what he was thinking of, but he didn't wear his helmet out against mm. Wazim Akram, and it took him about eight balls to find the target. 
and 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 Cairns is a big solid fella, you know. But he was hitting down. He went, you know, fractured skull. Poof, down he went, bleeding. And um, out came the out came the uh, the stretcher, and he was taken off. And it's not much comfort, is it, when the guy's been carried off, the guy ahead of you has been carried off by a stretcher, and that you go to bat, you know, yeah. and you're going out really to bat as chats as he. In those days, he might have had an average of three, maybe four. You know, he's going in one place ahead of his own expectation, <laughs> and yet one place lower puts him out of the game. You know. Uh, so, so Chats was going to be ready. That's the first thing. And the guys told me, I, I asked them actually, well, what was Chats like? Mm. This was after we'd got the runs. What was it, how, how was he, what was he feeling like when he was waiting to bat, you know, and Kenzie's just been hit and that sort of thing. And although he was, he was, he was, uh, he had all his gear on. I said, of course he did. And, and he had, he, Paying frequent visits to the back of the pavilion. Well, of course he was. I said, you know, and um, we've all had that moment of liquefying panic. <laughs> and um, uh, then he basically, I think he, they said they they all said, I reckon he started putting his gloves on the wrong hands. Mm. And that meant the door of the pavilion, if you think of it became one of his main batting problems in a way. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's bloody hard. If you had, it out. What's that thing hanging down there? You know, sort of, you know, the wrong hand. And, and, but he makes it out onto the ground anyway, and it wasn't a convincing performance because he got the bat actually half jammed. It was sort of been a, not like that, but it was a kind of like, bit like that, and it got jammed between the two gate posts. <laughs> because he was kind of fumbling and trying to get the catch yeah. and it sort of got like that and, it, and he walked, tried to walk through his bat a bit and it fell down and it jerked over and it just there was something odd about how he entered the ground mm. and uh, it wasn't a convincing performance and, and I went over, him, over to him because I'd seen other batsmen do that and um, I said, G'day, how are you going? He... he he looked at me dark, you know, dark as the inside of a cabinet minister. And, uh, and he, he said, what guard should I take? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you can take centre today, centre. And don't, you keep your feet there, you keep your feet on centre and you play forward. Didn't say anything. Went off to his end. Took a lot of trouble about taking centre twice. And in, in a little bit of blood, actually. Oh, God. From Cairns. And uh, he started. And he did come forward for a while, you know. Um, about well, first four or five overs, he got forward. You know, I said, this guy will swing it back into you, chats, you know. If you get forward and that sort of thing, it'll come back and meet your bat nicely or it'll whistle outside. Don't worry about them shouting about it. And if, it gets, if he's got too straight, it'll miss your leg down there or it'll take you on the pad. You'll be all right. You'll be okay. All right? He's not going to bowl too many bounces at you. They are very aware of it now that the Kenzie's been hit and it's been going on. Fred Goodall will not give you out. <laughs> he doesn't like that Javid Meander. <laughs> and so... 
giving, just giving him a bit of confidence and talk to him about the way to play and how to approach facing. Is there any player you'd, you know, you really would not like to face? Oh, that Jar, that uh, was he Macram fella? Of course. Well, of course. Mm. We're all having trouble with that. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll try and keep you away from him if I can. But let's let's be honest. We got fifty runs to get, and you can't stage manage fifty chats. I yeah. can stage manage eight or nine, mm-hmm. where I can try and you know do things for you. Do but I can't stage manage over. That's that's the way we're going at the moment. At two and over, that might be over an hour. Mm-hmm. So we can't do that. You're going to have to do your bit. You've got to face that. Do it. And I'll just. And you're not to call. That was another little little bits of advice I thought that were important. You're not to call. We do not want a number 11 run out. Mm-hmm. You know, with panic going on and him charging and then me going a little bit and him and, and run out. You know, hopeless. And so I will do all the calling, but if you want to think there's a run, if you think there's a run, you just look up at me. Mm-hmm. You don't say yes or anything. Look up at me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so that's and that's what chats would do. Yeah. And, and I said, do you know how many we need to get? He said, 50. I said, yeah, okay. I said, well, let's just forget that. We're not even going to look at the scoreboard. Can you count to three? Yeah, of course I can. Well, look, let's get three then. Let's get three. And then when we've got three... What do you reckon? Get another three? It's exactly what we'll do. You're on the plan. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's precisely kind of how we approached breaking it down into just little very achievable targets, you mm. know. And so when I faced, they'd all just jarred me out. Hey, that's, you know, it's the usual. Out you go, fellas, to three quarters. You know, we just... Pat it around, no, 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 you know, have a cup mm-hmm. of tea. What do you, what do you think, chat? We want a single day? Okay, let's wander through. Well, we go. And so uh, we'd get one there, and then chats would face one ball, two at the most. And um, then we'd do the same thing again, basically. Mm-hmm. So, so after a while, yeah, and we started to establish those things. Mostly chats has coming forward, coming forward, miss, miss. Taking it mostly, he got hit up in here, one up here, not so not so happy. That was a nasty moment, but we sort of got him sorted again and put him back on the rails, you know. And um, talk, I suppose, talking to him, acknowledging the issues for him, letting him have his say, mm-hmm. trying to keep you know keep us every time with a little celebration because we got the three. Well done. That's three less we've got to get now. We don't have to get 15 or threes now. Now we've only got to get 14. Mm-hmm. And just keeping him going. You're not having any trouble against those other jokers? No, I'm not feeling quite... Okay, good. Remember, watch the ball, get forward. Yeah. Take centre, don't move from it. And, uh, and, and at T, at T we, we had about 27 or 28 of them. And... You know, people are starting to... People, people, as soon as they see chats go out to bat, they've decided what's going to happen. And the Pakistan mm. are telling jokes to each other in Urdu. You know, they're laughing and chatting away and it's going to be an easy victory for them in New Zealand. And New Zealand crowd, they agree with the Pakistan side. Mm. 
you know, they're folding up their blankets, they've got their thermos, they're putting it in the bag, off to the car, quick getaway, get out of here, get out of here, it's all over. Well, at tea, when we've got 28 of them, they're starting to turn their cars around and bring it back into the stadium, mm. you know. People are, and all the students, because it's a student town, have heard what's going on. They're leaving their theatres, leaving their lectures and coming into the ground. And so the, the, the crowd is swelling. It's doubled, you know. Instead of 6,000, there might be 12, you know, suddenly, and they're banging on the banging on those old wooden things on the bang. Yeah. And Chats is having to face all this, you know, as the build, boom, come on, Chats. Chats, field, Chats, you know, all this sort of stuff. And yeah. it's, it's tough. It's tough it because help, you're taking, no, you're taking on such a journey, you know, and cheering every time he's finished and over and he's still survived, you know. And so we get to 28 and we go in under the stand through a labyrinth and then we find, you know, then we find Cairns, actually, still at the ground. Lying on a, in a darkened room on a table. And we go, Springers, uh, do you think you can bat? Well, we've got 28 of them. We're over halfway of the 50. And um, <laughs> he looked up at us. Yeah, okay. 28. Because that's how Kenzie spoke of it, because he had hearing problems. And so he's like, 28. And. Uh, yeah, you hold him off today. I'll come out and knock him off tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so seeing this was the last day of the game. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Chats and I, you know, we knew we were it. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember Kenzie came back the next day. I said, have you been down to have some sort of, you know, they look at your head and that sort of stuff? He said, yeah. He said, what did they, what, they find? Nothing, he said. <laughs> I said, nothing. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> so you get that. Anyway, so we go. And, we, and look, we just inexorable. It was inexorable. We just went out and we started to do the same things. But they are now not, the, the Pakistan side are now not telling jokes. Mm. They are shouting and they are screaming at high, high voices at each other, you know, to save singles. And to now they start to, do they bring the, the field in. Chats gets a boundary. A lovely shot off his toe. There, just in front of Square for four and the crowd are erupting, you know. Um, and we get down, you know, we just work it down in singles and occasionally a two. And it's pretty hard for me to hit a four because they're all sort of three quarters and they can cut it off, you know. So Chats is more likely to get a four than I am, you know. And so, so we get down and we get to about sort of, I don't know, eight to get, something like that, and it, it, it's getting to chats, you know, and, I, and I, ha yeah. I hadn't really looked at him closely, and he came up to me, and he said, Jerry, so we went over there, and, and uh, together, and we, we said, uh, Jerry, uh, I'm, I'm a bowler. I'm here to bowl, that's why I'm in the team, mm -hmm. not a batsman. <laughs> You're supposed to be the batsman. <laughs> now, I've been out here now for oh, a couple of hours, stealing, you know, and saving you from the strike. And, and it's about time you realise that I can't do any more. 
And I looked at him then, and, and he has his eyes were <laughs> sort of back, uh, and his helmet sort of sallow. And um, I said, okay, well, I'll, we talked about managing this, this little last bit together if we can. So I'll try and take Wasim and, and you ha try and hang on the other end. And so he said, I don't care what you do. I have had enough. <laughs> We've got seven to get. Hit a seven if you want. Do what you want up at your end. That's me. And as it happened, I got those last runs. A couple of, they weren't, it wasn't a seven, of course, but uh, it was you know, more like sort of three twos and a single to get there. But they, I mean, it was a terrific, it was the art of the possible, mm. you know. And, and those are the things, I think, that I actually like out of the game. And those are the memorable things that, that where you draw someone out, you draw something special mm. out oh. of, and you find what is actually in someone, embedded in them somewhere, locate it, bring it out, mm. punch it out, mm. put it on display. And the things you can't see from watching on that you don't know that somebody's cooked. Someone's absolutely at the end of their tether. They've yeah. given everything they can and they're yeah. gone. And scorecards don't tell that story either. That you know, The Chatfield near-death experience, the fact that he walks out as Kansas got a fractured skull and blood everywhere mm. taking guard. I mean, all of that makes it one of the great test victories. And it's your second test hundred. You bring up your century in that partnership with Chatfield and, and on you go, you, you made I didn't even, to be honest. Probably didn't even realise. Didn't even know. Yeah. Didn't even know. Hi, I'm Ian Chappell. You're listening to The Final Word with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon. You take over as captain the following year. I mean, you've, done, you've stood in for Jeff a few times, but you become yeah. the captain. Ahead of 85-86, yeah. it's the Gabba. You're playing Australia. Probably most of our listeners know what happens next with respect to Hadley um, taking his 9 for 52 and 6 for 71. You thump Australia in Brisbane. Uh, it's the first time you've had Hadley at your disposal as captain. The other times you'd done it, yeah. he, he hadn't been with to you. To Pakistan. To Pakistan. He wasn't there with you on, on mm. that trip. Yeah. But, I mean, in your away, aren't you? You, you have that sort of nerve-wracking decider in Perth. People forget that bit, I reckon. They, they know that New Zealand win in... Uh, win in the Gabba. Um, win at the Gabba, but they don't realise that you had to Perth. hold your nerve in Perth in the third yeah. test match. And Hadley does it again. You beat Big Brother, as they often call it in New Zealand, 2 1. And then England just after that, 86. And, well, we, yeah. we get in between that. I mean, the fact that you beat Australia it was twice. It was the same as that 73 tour. Yeah, wasn't you it? beat it was three in Auss Aussie and three in New Zealand. Three at home, three and away. And they came back, uh, yeah, Bowl and Border brought the team over. And no one's ever done that before. No one's beaten Australia twice in the same summer, apart from that New Zealand team of 85 86. So yeah. you beat them at home, you beat them away rather than you, than you beat them at home. The good the good thing about that beating them at home was that we discovered another attacking bowler and we had John Bracewell, Bracewell finally. Yeah. Well that magnificent test match where Bracewell takes six in the second dig, bowl That's out right. Australia for a hundred odd That's right. and David Boone makes 58 of those and somehow yeah. you still bowl them out yeah. for a hundred odd and Bracewell's the match winner That's to, right, to yeah. seal the series and yeah. you've gone from, you know, I sort of see it as a Windies, beat England in 83, yeah. you become captain, you beat Australia away and home in the space of three months. Yeah. This is an extraordinary mm. rise from the team mm. that you stepped into, the dressing room you stepped in, into mm. in 1974 when you were really no chance of beating Australia. Now you were thumping Australia. Yeah. We had... I mean, Hadley was right at his peak. Yep. And, and obviously that helps a great deal. There's, the, there's no trick about it. You just don't want to over-bowl him. Um, and so then he has to be managed carefully. 
But the other players, I hope that's what's become clear, one of the things that I value highly uh, is that you need all components in the team. You don't, you know, yeah. it, it, which is more important, a loose shot and a brilliant catch? Uh, you know, is the catch more important than the bowler? Is it equal importance? Is it less than? You know, and so on. Those, everybody actually helps and assists, is diving to save a run to keep so-and-so on strike and then he's bowled next ball. Mm. Those kinds of things, doing your job in the covers, saving. And so, so it, it is, it, it always is a bit of a team game and, and it will always remain that way. You can't, you can't avoid that. And so players like a brace will emerging, getting an 80 at Sydney, Players like Box suddenly getting better, and be, you know, suddenly we have got a spin attack as yep. well, and we've got a rounded attack. Stall, always had Chatfield, always had uh, Hadley there, of course, as spearhead. But we, you know, we've we got openers who can save runs and score runs and and last in the difficult parts. So we had become an effective, a very effective team. I guess is the answer to the question about what's changed. Uh, we are playing. Um, we're a hard team to beat. Yeah. So how do you then manage Hadley as a captain? Because he's you know, the reputation is uh, something of a difficult personality. How, how do you? You're, I think you've got to. I think honestly best. is the answer. Um, making sure that you have meetings with him. I was lucky to have Glenn Turner. Actually, that's the first time we've really had... I don't know whether... He, he was sort of a coach as well. Uh, and, a man, manager. and a manager. Yeah. They called him a manager, but right. he was... At the same time, he was able to lead certain technicals. And he would talk to Richard as well. He was the one who decided, you know, helped him bowl to left-handers in particular and getting in much closer so that he's dead in line. You've only got to do a cock hair and that sort of thing. And you're Suddenly you're beating the outside edge or you're getting an inside edge. Mm. They push a bit too far at the ball thinking it's going across. They can get in between bat and pad. So, I mean, he, he definitely helped and he used to set where the where the he, Richard wanted to have there was a milk crate that we always used to have at training, and it would go a certain distance, much further than the the uh, the umpires normally back. And Richard would always have the the umpire back there when it was actually match day, and was so he could get very close to the stumps and get it to go. His trouble then was his difficulty was was get off the pitch, but he was such a top performer. You know, he could do those sorts of things. So, so Turner helped a great deal. But, but as far as Richard was concerned, I think you needed to talk to him. Talk to him. I mean, he had Glenn to talk to from a professional outlook, whom he respected. Uh, and then he, I could talk to him from a New Zealand and the team kind of perspective. So he had these two, this blend of people saying, well, Rich, you know, we need... You, you don't have to play in this particular match, but we need to make sure that you are able on a match day, because when we sat him down originally, he said 20 overs a day as a guide. 20 overs a day, so sort of six to seven, you know, overs, overs per session as a, as a guide, rough sort of thing. Don't, don't give him 12, you know what I mean? Sure. Don't give him, might get nine if he's going nicely and, mm. you know, picking wickets up and so on. So th there's that kind of component of your workload but you've got to be able to put your work in 
every day and not lose your pace and not do these things and so so you're not shirking the business and he, he doesn't want to shirk the business either but it's easy to do in the heat sometimes that you you don't want to get outside and bowl your overs in the nets while the game's going on even though he's having the day off so he's got to be able to make sure he can do his role he loved that he loved getting the attention and and which is great and he deserves it i mean it's a it's a fascinating relationship yours and his from afar there's the Afro Romeo oh, incident yeah, the where, where he keeps the that, car and doesn't share the, yeah. the windfall. There, there's the the newspaper column, which has been widely documented, where he slates the team. Yep. You don't like it. You push back hard. And there is a breakdown in communication, reportedly, where there's a time when you and he just aren't really talking that much. now. But yet, under you, he played 12 of the 15 tests you captained and took 85 wickets at 18. Mm. There was obviously something there. You got the best out of him, even though it wasn't always a... A relationship that was fruitful in the dressing room. You still no, managed to find it, a way. Neither was it fraught every day. Okay, but there I were think, acute think, moments of it. There being, were moments of tension. Yeah, um, but it no, worked. Is my point, I guess, is that, and this, this is a something we often hear from from cricketers. You don't necessarily need to get along in no. order to get the best out of each other. No, that's right. I think that's probably fair. Um, I mean, it's nice if you can. If you can kind of be do- on the same page together sometimes, but only that once, I think. I did send him a Christmas card after. Must have got there in February. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's not fair. What's um, it like you two now? There's a couple of 70 year olds. Because when he turned 70 last year, mm. you did an interview with Aggers around it. And I liked how you were able to be very honest about your relationship with him, but also mm. obviously complimentary of what he's been able to achieve. Absolutely. Um, as a couple of seventy-year-olds, you must run into each other a fair bit at home. We do it at, at Christchurch. At Christchurch, he right? He doesn't. How do you leave, get on? He doesn't. Yeah, okay. You have a beer? Oh yeah, we'd have a beer. That's great. Uh, and and when the last, the time before that, we saw each other was the reunion of the eighty-one side, which is the underarm, oh, right. that sort of thing, where yep. we went over to Australia when they were playing yep. at the MCG in the Melbourne Test. So, um, and we saw each other there, and that was absolutely fine as well. So, and. Richard seemed very relaxed about the whole thing, you know. Mm. He's, I think he's actually relaxed a bit more. That he wanted to make the most of his opportunities. And so, you know, sometimes he would be doing things and the team accepted it. He was a different, a different component. Um, I found, personally, I found that a little bit difficult to just to c- confront um, that, for example, we would be training and we would be out doing laps and we'd be out doing things. And there's Richard giving a talk up at the same ground at the Basin Reserve Earnings and Cash. <laughs> so R- Richard had his very driven kind of style. And so you would use... I mean, that was an obvious thing to try and present to him. Rich, do you realise that no one's ever took five wickets actually from this northern end at Gorn <laughs> uh, here before? Just, just thought you'd. Yeah, so, so, you, so you could, that. you could uh, use that. You could use that to your advantage. I had a guy. I had a guy on stats who would go and I'd get, sit right. And I'd so, say, yeah, it's kind of pointing find, to find me some things out about. Find this me match. something about yeah. this match or this ground or be, anything about him that about can wickets, lean, lean into runs. He would be quite good. The, this, <laughs> the next hundred at this ground will wow. be the thousandth hundred here, at, here here in Test cricket. Do you realise that? Yeah, that could be you. And you'd go whack. He'd be whack. He'd be after it. He, just, he, was, he was just driven by those kinds of things, and that's okay. I mean, 
whatever makes whatever works for him, isn't it? And, and he probably gives you your crown in glory as a captain, which is not 86, which, I mean, we talked about Bracewell already, him making that 100 at number eight, but oh, Hadley yeah. taking 10 in the match, 1-0 series victory, you know, yep. you have that one victory in 83, but in yep. 86 it's enough to win the series. You're yep. the captain, you've gone effectively three series in a row, Australia, Australia, England, win, yep. win, win, yeah. and Hadley's instrumental to, oh, to totally. getting you over the line. Totally. I. 33 wickets, I think he got in Australia. You guys yep. like numbers, don't you? Yep. Um, but 33 wickets in three tests, yep. 11 each test average. What, that's a six and a five every match? I mean, come on. Uh, who's going to beat that in, a, in an away series in Australia, uh, you know, against Australia? I don't. I don't know, did Murley do it? Did, did somebody else, has he ever looked Not like, quite like getting... that. No. no. I mean, that was just outstanding cricket, you know. And he's a... People forget also, he was a damn good gully. He was a, a soccer goalkeeper, so I got him into the gully and he dived and took some brilliant catches at in the gully. He's not a slipper. He was a gully. He liked to dive. And um, Well, you were his slip, weren't you? I mean, yep. you were the man at second slip yeah. pouching. I don't know how many did you take? 60-odd catches in I test cricket? I wouldn't want to know how many were I wouldn't caught Coney, Bolt, Hadley, but there a lot a of few. them. There were a few. There were a few. There'd be quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and you, even now on commentary, you, you get that glint in your eye when you're talking about slips catching. Mm. You've, you've got strong views. Mm. I do. Uh, about how that... And, and, and I mean, kind of going back to your point, Jeff, before about the art of cricket, the sort of, uh, mm. the rhythm of cricket. Mm. Slips fielding is its own art as well as own, own, own charms. Absolutely. absolutely. Where you stand. That's, that's a lot to do with it. Do you think it'd be simple, wouldn't you? Just walk out there. As you see what a lot of them do, they make a mark and they stay there. No. Sorry, you haven't got the art at all. <laughs> You've got to be moving up and down and beside, go to one side, then go to the other side. If you're, I mean... At the moment, uh, I don't see too many really tops. I see some good catches, but there's an element of luck about them. Good on them. They've mm. held it. But how can you do that? Can you do that eight and nine times out of ten? Because that's what it means to be a slip field. And to me, your percentages have got to be very high. So as someone who's 70 and talking like this about slips catching, mm. you haven't let go of the game, clearly. No way. Um, what, tell us about finishing up for New Zealand, though, and... How how you came to the decision and then what it's like deciding to stop and 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 what comes next? I'd lost the thrill of um, I'd lost the thrill of compiling runs. Uh, I wanted to to get runs easily. Mm. I didn't have the the fight for it any longer, and and I um, I was I was happy to sell myself slightly short. And I wasn't comfortable with any mm. of that at all. You could uh, tell that this was the case. Oh, it was the case. Yeah, it was interesting. The case. It's so close to that win in England too, isn't it? I mean, you go back home and win another, have another. You we win had, your last we had the Test West match. Indies. West Indies. We played the year after, yeah. which we drew that series at home. But you, you win that final Test yes, that you did. play in. And had you made your mind up? I haven't asked you this before. Have you, did you make your mind up before that Test match? That I know you were only chasing. I'd made my mind in, up before the series. Before the series. Did you communicate and I, it publicly? And, and I had a. Uh, I had. Don Neely, the one yep. the guy who just recently yep. passed, come over uh, to my place and sit me down for about an hour and a half and say, please play. Please play. Mm. And in the end, my old friend, I couldn't let him down. I, um, 
I just relented, and so I played those three tests. I didn't really want to play those test matches. Interesting. And so it was hard. It was hard to play. And it was in that series, of course, when we had the blow-up with Richard. It was that last test match. Mm. And that was really not so much for me. I didn't... It was more for... I had four or five players come to me and say, look, this is not on. What's going on? It's out in the papers. He's supposed to come into the changing room and give us... That's our sanctuary. That's the place where we do lay our dirty linen in front of each other. Mm. Right there in the, ch- in the changing room in private in our team. Letting each other know. Facing us and telling us what they think. That's where it should happen. That's why we'd always had that little sort of understanding. Richard had gone outside that, and that's what annoyed them about it. And I had to, because I, I didn't want to have a rebellion on my hands going on, so uh, I had to go and say something to Richard. And I took him quietly aside of the team. Glenn Turner was there as well. And I said, boy, you're losing respect here. You're losing respect. We have these little understandings for a reason. And, and we went through some of those. And, and, the, and the car was a similar kind of thing in a way that we had always decided that because opportunity isn't shared evenly amongst players, mm. some players get a lot more chance to, to do well. That might be an all-rounder. It might be Richard because he's going to get wickets because he's going to have a, a bat and because so he's got a chance to score some runs or to balance if he doesn't get the wickets that day or he gets lots mm. of wickets and so on. So he gets more opportunity and how do you work out what's more important, the catch or the delivery? Mm. How, do you, how do you handle the slightly weak decision by an umpire that actually was probably just missing in those days with no DRS? You know, how, how do you do those things? Mm. And that's precisely why mm. we had a shared kind of arrangement that whatever, whatever match winnings and that sort of stuff that you get, we share it out pro rata basis. Uh, between the team so all the watches and things like that they went into a pool and we we shared it out Richard had to be fair Richard had won a car the year before we were in Australia and had given that to the team and so this was his second car that he had won and a lot of the players not all well not everybody not half probably just under that felt yeah well that's okay he can do it because he announced that as we were leaving Australia I'm going to keep the car to come back home. So that caught everybody just a bit by surprise. And and there was a vote went on, which was silly, really, having a vote. But And then it carried off over in New Zealand, and he went public about it as well. And that was his, his general way to garner support mm. for his view. And we just kept quiet. You couldn't, you couldn't go out and then it would just make it worse if you went out and there was another view out in the public as well. And, and so I, I just said, just forget it, Philip, forget mm. it. In a way, it's 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 a shame that it sort of ends that way with that slight mm. degree of acrimony. But yeah. from a cricketing perspective, I mean, I suppose you'd, you'd captain fifteen times, you'd you'd won five, drawn six. You said before about the first test was not, and you only lose four, right? So you, you did not want to lose test matches as captain. Yeah. You built that stability, that that robustness in a dressing room. You're able to win important test matches, thus winning those series in Australia and in England. And you personally had. I went through it yesterday. You played in 18 series and you averaged above 40 and a half of them. So you're a pretty effective player finishing with an average of 38 or 39 or, or something like that. So it wasn't as though you had the chance to decline, really. I mean, you, you, you wind up almost immediately after your team's at its peak and you're going really well personally as a batter in the side. And not many cricketers get to choose their moment like that. No, I know no. it wasn't the ideal summer to do it with what was going on behind the scenes, but no. you got gotten a lot right and your timing was pretty good there too. 
Well, the timing really didn't come down to it. I mean, it wasn't as if I had made a decision, oh, if this ever happens, I'll be doing that. It was more a question of how I felt. Yep. And, and, you, and they do say you kind of know, and, and I, I agree with that. Certainly that was my, mm. my personal experience, that I just knew that I'd, I didn't have the heart to go out and bat for six or seven hours again, which I knew that's when I played my best and that I became more aggressive as the innings went on and, and so on. So, but I needed, that, I needed that drive to be able, and the pleasure to get that, and to bat with the, the tail, which included Richard. We had some very good partnerships uh, in one-day games. He liked to be a much more aggressive, so I could just knock it in one and sit and watch, and hit. Mm-hmm. he could take the glory, which was absolutely fine for me. That's the way he played, and that was great. I played my way, he played his, knock it around, manipulate it. I was a manipulator, so I'd score off good balls. Other, other players got out to good balls, I'd, play, I'd hit it for one. And that was perhaps my strength if there was one. It wasn't hitting boundaries. And, but I had Martin Crowe around me at the top, I had Richard down there, and I had Lance mm. Cairns down there, and I had Ian Smith, they were all hitters. So it became very obvious to me what sort of my role would be batting with those players. Never dismissed in a successful one-day international chase, Jeremy Coney. I was thinking that before, Jeff. That's one you brought that's, up before. That's the way you bat. Never out. Never out. And I was always chase. told from that very first one-day international we played against the West Indies before that Carisbrook match you mentioned, yep. we won that match, that ODI, before at Christchurch. And I don't know what I got, but I was not out, I remember. And I was batting seven, I think, in that innings. And I hit holding for four, as it happened on the last over, over his back, over his head, to get the four and to win that game that, before that first test. And it was very important mm. in, to, in the context of that series, that win. But it was, it was, it was knock it around, knock it around. Interesting pivot when you finish up playing. You get married or remarried, and suddenly you're a, you're a netball husband. Oh, I mean, you, you spend. I mean, haven't we had enough of all this stuff, fellas? That we don't talk about. All right, carry on. Yeah, it's it's well, it's a shift from being you're it's a in shift the from thick being... of it, and then you're on the sidelines of someone else's. Oh yes, team. I mean, you know, you're 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 obviously emotionally invested in in Julie doing well. She becomes yep. a world champion as an netballer. Yep. You're there on. I mean, you're in the grandstand. You go from being the main man, no mm. more than a couple of years before, not even that to being in the grandstand. No, no not even in a grandstand. Netball, netball don't have grandstands. Netball, what they have is you lean against the wire netting. You know, outside. <laughs> you, they're just well, when, outside. When, when the big stuff's going on, there yeah. are people there watching oh, the major tournaments. Yeah, you're sitting there. That, that, that must be a, a quite interesting sort of, not U-turn, but, you know, it, it's, a, it's a change in direction, isn't it? Because you have no control over that suddenly, where you no. had complete control over your destiny as a cricketer, at least. No, but as, you, a, captain, what you as do, a captain as well, you, yeah. What you do, though, is you bring... You bring an analysis of, of, of what, how you see a game of netball going on. Mm. You become an expert at that, of course, <laughs> pretty quickly. Um, and you enjoy and, it? And, yeah, I did. I liked analysing how that game went. Uh, and, and, you know, the, her side won the New Zealand champs as well, that, her little club side, and um, going and talking to them before the final and things like that. So there's, there are things that you're still able to in, invest in, but you can still say, yeah, okay, I might have helped there a little bit, or maybe there's something I could say that was just got a little incy-bincy mm. bit of meaning through. Um, so you, you, you don't leave that. I mean, in, in commentary, you guys, 
we're pretty free with our advice, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think you always want to be part of the game. You've got to be lively and, and dynamic about investing time in the game, don't you? Don't, haven't you guys thought about what on earth have Sri Lanka done in the last six days? Mm. What have they done? Now, that's what I'm interested to see. Sure. When, when I go out and mm. when they walk out to bat. And what can they do in six exactly. days? Exactly. Uh, well, but, but I think this is your thing, is being invested in whatever it is, you know, if you, the yeah. way you've thrown yourself into commentary and so on. I want to know about your life in the theatre because I, I, I was looking at it training, I could, I could pick that probably not a lot of these players would go on to have a life in the theatre after they're done. <laughs> no. it, it's, it's not the standard path, but... This no. is, I'm curious about Well, it's, it's funny that. I mean, it's, um, I, I had an email just the other day to say um, there's a, there's a, we've written a cricket play, a friend of mine has written a cricket play about Colin Cowdery and about how he went out at the age of 42 to face Jeff Thompson mm. in Australia and that whole Tony Gregg thing and, and World Series cricket and money and versus where Colin came from interesting man, Colin Cowdery, um, lots of mini-layered sort of person, and and they, they've, they've written the play and it's going quite well, and, and they, I think they're in, engaging with it in the spirit of cricket, because that, that permeates some of the subtexts in the play, mm. um, and now I'm asked to light, light the play. Oh, really? For the spirit of cricket, so fantastic. So it's sort of it's amazing how it all sort of fits together, isn't yeah. it? So yeah. So no, I I was uh, one who tread the boards for a while, which I quite enjoyed. Right through college, right through uh, after college, doing repertory work, and then suddenly, as a teacher, you found that you'd say, "Oh, who's taking the production at the end of the year?" And you'd look around and be, "Oh, well, okay, I'll give it a crack," mm-hmm. and. Um, Oh, who, who, anyone help with the lighting? Okay, I'll do that. So you found that you were engaged suddenly in lots of things that you didn't really know too much about, mm-hmm. but you, you worked it out and worked things through, and so then I went and did a year's course over in Wales, um, and uh, it was about there was a lighting course and theatre, and, you know, people backstage in theatre, what do you do? Uh, and... So then I, after the year, passed that little, sort of got my piece of paper, the diploma or whatever it was, and, and then uh, I was working in Shaftesbury Ave uh, and, and sort of lighting theatre. In other words, I mean, what you bring to it is a skill of saying what is the play about and looking at certain lines and texts and beats. They, talk, they, they always talk about beats building up to a little beat and then doing that and, and then you go to the next one. And that, that's what the series of those beats are in terms of a scene. And, and you do that with the lighting, w- making sure that who's, what's really the... Who should we be looking at? You can actually... Im- you can inf- affect the audience by putting the intensity of light on something. That's where your eye will go. And it might not be the person talking. Mm. So it's over here. It's actually really on the knife or whatever mm. that hasn't been picked up yet in right. the whole show. If you put a gun in a, in a, in a play, it's got to go off at some point, you <laughs> yeah. know? And so tho- those are the things that you kind of mm. start to... P- and you try and show people what is this play about, what, who's the most important person here in the scene. Mm. It might be the maid mm. who doesn't say a word. 
she's the most important right. person in the play and it's, and it's because she's hearing and overhearing things yeah. that she might shouldn't be or whatever you know whatever the scenes are and drawing so attention to her perspective a- absolutely even if she's not exactly. participating might be something analogous there to your commentary i mean whilst having these other careers you know you've been a teacher you've worked in the theatre as Jeff said and your lighting and all these varied interests yet you've always been a cricket commentator as well like for a really really long time you've been a cricket mm, commentator I have not long after you retired you've been a more than half your life you've been a cricket commentator 88. 88 so and you've always come back to it be it mm. doing television in New Zealand you and Brian Waddle, that long-standing relationship on the early yeah. days, you know, on AM radio, then onto Radio Sport New Zealand. You're working with us on SEN, SENZ in recent seasons. Yes, Radio Sport New Zealand was no longer. A long association with Test Match Special, which goes yep. back until, what, 1991, something like that? Something like that, A yeah. long, long time. Mm. That, that idea of shining light on the most important thing that maybe the listener or the viewer doesn't pick up, but you armed with all that experience as a player but also your sense of story and narrative that goes back to your boyhood do you think that might be contributing to your longevity that there's always been something you can bring that others can't well i guess because i've played for a start but not just playing a lot of people have played then commentate you do something else though don't you i mean you narrative certainly helps i think i think as a basic thing for me i find silence is important and what by that I mean, um, we rush things, in my opinion, a bit. A, a commentary for me should breathe. And Benno tended to do that to extremes at times with, with in the telly. But nevertheless, I think he left a legacy that nearly not many people are taking notice of mm. as mm. far as TV commentary mm. is concerned. They tend to want to fill the gap all the time. Where I think actually even in radio, silence brings them back. If you just keep talking, even if you're using your voice a little bit more, you know, silence suddenly nails them. Because they think, hell, I've just better is that is that on? I better just sort of check that and that sort of thing. You know what I mean? And and, and they suddenly They've tuned in again, and then you can mm. then you can talk to them. So it's actually a kind of an art, I think, of using silence, restraint, yeah, very effectively, yeah. pausing at times, mm. even when you you're about to maybe the obvious places where you're about to get to your main point, mm-hmm. but to use it halfway through a sentence and then stop, and then you carry on. Yeah. I think you've brought people back in at that point. It's certainly something I remember learning with public speaking and performance, that if you're on stage and you are saying nothing for half a second, it feels like an eternity. Oh, it does. You panic. As soon as you're not speaking, your brain is screaming at you, just keep talking, keep talking, keep talking. And it takes a huge amount of practice and control to be able to breathe in that moment and stop and five seconds of silence. Look them in the eyes and look them around. Yes. Absolutely. But if you're in the audience, if you're in the audience and someone is confidently silent, you're drawn to them, you're pulled to them. That's when they're holding you in the palm of their hand. Absolutely. Interesting, I think there is a bit of a move back to that in television. I mean, not everywhere. I was watching the uh, the BCCI coverage of the test match at Edgbaston yesterday and there's no room for silence there because there's a commercial played in every bit of spare um, spare territory. But I reckon with um, 
other broadcasts, they are getting drawn back to what you're describing there, some around the world anyway, because there is that tradition where filling the space doesn't add to it. Different with radio, it's harder with radio. Of course it is. The nature of radio, you have to keep filling in the picture. But Mm. TV, I think that maybe what you're saying there is is going to go back into fashion. But the background sound is there on radio and and so much of sitting at the cricket and watching the cricket is hearing nothing but the burble of the crowd. You know, So in in some ways it's bringing the live experience to the listener or to the viewer. And what we're seeing... You know, a description of what we're seeing. Absolutely. Too, some, something to think about, you know. I often think, now, how am I going to describe that old fort to people? How, mm. how, how can we do that? How will the sea just there? The little the Gaul Cricket Club, the old Gaul Cricket Club over there. You know, and, and just what, what, how are we going to convey what it is actually like? I think that's a good... Don't you find that a test? Don't you find that sort of... I find that interesting too. Mm. How am I going to do that? And it's nice because you're painting with a different canvas every yeah. time. I mean, if you're doing, let's say, tennis, broadly speaking, your surrounds are as they are. You can yeah. copy and paste them from around the world. But cricket, test cricket, does give you that flex. Yeah. To How do we describe Nathan Lyon, the way he walks in, yeah. runs in? He, he, does he accelerate at a point? Does he look as if he's dropped a bit of money on the ground? <laughs> have a little look at that. And sort of picking up a tin. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I yeah. mean, the, all that, uh, different bowlers. What's their hair doing? You know, uh, Nathan Lyons, not much. No, exactly. <laughs> no, that's true. But do you know what I mean? The way that Pat Cummins walks, slightly like a farmer. Yeah. Is there a dog behind him? Oh, yes, there it is. Yeah. Invisible dog. He's just called it over. He always looks to me yeah. like he's just got off a horse. Well, he looks a little bit exactly. ginger, a little bit tender. OK, well, then yeah. you see, those sorts of things, yeah. I think, are lovely ways to describe mm. things. The good commentators, I think, really have that nailed, you mm. know? So you still find it fun to come in and sit down and, and well, talk? Of course. Yeah. If I didn't find it fun, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, life isn't, you know... Life isn't to be just sort of meandered through like that. You've got to yeah. be feeling strongly about things, don't you? Don't what, you? What you guys enjoy it. Love it. It's the best. Absolutely what, you do. What is life, what does it look like for you now? Do you spend half the year in New Zealand? Is that roughly how yep. it breaks up yeah, and half is. in England? Yeah. And then you're down at the at the winery when you go back to New when Zealand? When I go down, there's, yeah, there's, there's some sort of practical stuff that I like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've kind of moved away away from sort of the university sort of thing. I nearly started to go to to Oxford and and do a PhD in Shakespeare, but I I thought, I, look, I can't do it. I can't. Mm. It's it's not me. I don't want to be spending all my life in a carol in a dusty sort of library and getting mm. certain letters or whatever after my name. It doesn't mean much to me. Well, there's more enjoyment so, in reading it and watching it being well, performed well, exactly, than in studying it, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. So uh, I mean, so no, I. I I don't know. Um, at the moment, um, commentary is is sort of fulfilling for me, um, and I still get some, you know, a little bit of talking here and there, and still do a little bit of cricket here and there, and I still do a little bit of teaching here and there. So I mean, I've got, I've got a range of things that mm. I do. And you're still with your brother a fair bit, working with him. On yeah, the, is on that the, Bay of Plenty I'm, where he is? He's in Martinborough, Martinborough, which is just north of Wellington. Right. Yeah, just north of Wellington, and he's got he's got about twenty two acres or something like that in a in a winery. He has the winery and the actual viticulture, so he grows the grapes, mm-hmm. but he also makes the wine as well 
at his most most places just are viticultural, mm. and then they then all the grapes are taken away somewhere else where the where the wine is made. Mm-hmm. He does both on the same, and has a his wife does the um, all the uh, the restaurant and things like that there as well. Yeah, and the excitement of, of having kids at the other end of your not well, grandkids other now. End of, uh, grandkids, but also young well, relatively you watch young out for the name children. Jones because I mean I mean <laughs> it's a fairly common name for a start, but <laughs> yeah. you watch the name Jones with a couple of little. Little uh, kids who are very good cricketers, right. very good cricketers. Where, where are we? Where are we looking? Which part oh, of New Zealand are they Auckland. in? Auckland, right? They're in Auckland. Okay. Tom, uh, jo- Tom Jones, actually. Oh, oh yeah. very good. All so the better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and having you know, younger children in the UK. So I mean, yeah. it must be tough, obviously, in COVID, not being able to See travel them. for all that time. But um, yeah. now that you are in the UK for much of the Let's year. Let's hope the rental's there. Working, yes, the rental <laughs> car that we've got lined up at the other end. By the time this goes to air, you might be able to listen yeah. to this oh, yeah. while in the car with your kids driving out to Wales for your family holiday. Yeah, well, that'll be great. and We'll have a great time there on the beach. hope so. I've got to get them a couple of sarongs to, to take to over, over to them so uh-huh. they can learn how to tie them ten ways or something like that. That's <laughs> it must, must like be that. a very different experience doing it sort of the sec, you know, far down the track. I mean, having grandkids as well as having yeah, young yeah. kids and having How old all that's all ahead of you too. How old are your kids now? My, my first children, uh, Sarah's now 50 mm-hmm. and Ben and Ben would be 47. Mm-hmm. And the next? Uh, the next ones are 12 and 9. Wow. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So it keeps you young in a way. Yeah. Um, s- still, I mean... W- the older ones have become mates, sort of now, really. Yeah, as yeah. Well, um, they tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't necessarily listen to it all, <laughs> but they've got plenty of suggestions. And uh, and the and then there's the younger ones. So teaching them, I'll sure we'll. Help. I think we'll get into tents this, this this time on how fires. How do you light a fire? Proper fire, mm. not with a not with a you know fire lighter, but actually getting some brush well, and some things like that. When I was that. nine, I just had my parents trying to stop me lighting <laughs> yeah. fires. I know. So as you, as you sort of pass this milestone birthday and, you know, all, all to the next, uh, it feels like you're doing so as a very sort of happy and content individual. Um, that's that's the sense I get from you good. is that you're, well, you're you, you know, when you come out for dinner or go out for a beer or whatever it is, when you're on the road with us commentating mm. and being part of the team, mucking in as part of the team, and it, it, it seems as though that egalitarian spirit that you've got about chipping in and being part of it and enjoying being in dressing rooms, although our dressing room is a commentary box, is, yeah. is still there and your enthusiasm remains uh, front and centre and, and thus that, that does keep you young and does keep you happy. Yeah, well, it's is that, that a fair critique? thing, isn't it? It's that working together to get a result and achieve a result. And look at all those wires sticking out of those various ports up there at mm-hmm. the moment. Someone's got to put them in. You were part of helping us fix it up last someone's week. Someone's got yeah. to put them in the right one too. Yeah. And, and then finally <laughs> there's a bit of a result at the end of it. And there's all sorts of people you guys rely on to get those somehow hitched yep. up to other little wagons along the way. So that's great. And, and yeah, very much enjoyed that. Jeremy, thank you for being uh, such a great colleague and mate over the journey and for giving us so much of your time here today on our uh, one of our last days off before we crack yeah. on with the second test match. It's well, lovely I to hope, have you as part of the final word. I hope I hope that it's going to be all right for you guys. And I, I hope you edit it heavily. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't dream of it. <laughs> this is the final word with Adam Collins. Thanks again to Jeremy for coming in for such a long and detailed chat ahead of the second test match at Gaul last week. As Jeff touched on before we had part one, Jeremy was slightly nervous about not having enough to say 
But as you probably know from now, having listened to the better part of two hours with him, we probably could have cracked on for, for double that, if not more. Uh, what a storyteller, what a man. Right, in closing, thanks again to the Advanced Air Studio for all the support they're providing us at the moment. AdvancedStudio.com, find a word to link up uh, with the world leaders in hair restoration and pick up that 15% discount that comes your way for being a friend of ours. And remember, they offer a 100% guarantee for their service that more than a million people have gone through over the course of the last 30 years including a whole stack of iconic cricketers who swear by it. Uh, further thanks to our mighty band of patrons who uh, have been, had our back for, for a number of years now. As I mentioned off the top, uh, drop a nerd pledge in uh, and have your tale told on Storytime, our weekly history show, which will be back on Saturday this week. Uh, and, of course, you can join in on all the fun with the rest of the final nerd brigade on Discord. Oh, and a bit of housekeeping on that front as well, by the way. The 16th of September is our final word 11 game in England this year against the Oval Dream Boys that... Um, effectively a replay or uh, a recast of the game we played uh, in September 2021. So Declan Lawler and Dan Price are arranging that 11 as we speak on Discord. Let them or myself know if you're available and keen to play on that Friday afternoon, probably 4 o'clock start, likely to be at Dulwich Cricket Club where we played last year or at least somewhere in that general vicinity in South East London. Thanks again to Jeremy and to everyone for listening and to the team at Bad Producer Productions who put in so much work behind the scenes, not least our editor Dave Collins who's been on the tools uh, putting together the Jeremy chat over the last couple of days. All right, this has been The Final Word and we'll speak to you all again on the weekend. I had to go about it.